0: time now for plan b with rebecca davis hello rebecca
1: didn't we used to have a very very stylish jingle to that effect plan b with rebecca davis have i been demoted
0: Uh, not just you unfortunately there have been
1: oh it's all gone
0: there's been wide-scale demotion across the scale
1: i'll just do it myself every time
0: every week (laughs) You, you might damage your larynx. If you like that. Yeah. Uh, Rebecca curiouser and curiouser Alice said but it um, it applies to the DA generally and the DA and John Moody in particular. What a web this is!
1: What a bizarre saga John what a bizarre saga Now we were expected to take it on trust from the DA top brass thanks to their first conference today, that John Moody was fleeing what John Steenhagen called the most serious, one of the most serious cases ever to go before the DA's Federal Legal Commission. that he was attempting to frame his fellow politicians in this bizarre web of sex and lies, etc. Now, I don't know about you, John, but I just, I don't find it in me to take it on trust at the moment, and that is because of the history of the DA and the exit of these senior politicians. I also find it bizarre that you can hold a press conference like that and then produce no proof whatsoever to that effect. So we are still in a he said, he said situation, despite what they may say. The DA says it has recordings, it has tapes, phone conversations and all sorts. I mean, I've spoken to people from the Moody camp who say, actually, they have evidence as well. So, you know, it is still up in the air. They admit that the the investigation was not complete, rather the investigation was that the disciplinary process was not complete, also begging the question why in that case they are treating it as if it was a fait accompli. And what we're left with, basically, John, is, again, this very unsavoury situation of when it comes down to it, a senior black leader walking out of the DA saying some very uncharitable things about the party, and the party just turning around and saying, Well, he's a bad egg. That's that. He was a rotten seed, and, you know, diversity matters to us, and he was playing the race card, and that's the end of it. And is that good enough? I mean, is that good enough? The problem is that that line, that it, the problem is all these individuals rather than the party, is starting to wear quite thin. And if the DA expects us as the public to believe that, then surely we also have to ask some hard questions about how these apparently deeply flawed individuals attained top office within the DA. I mean, John Moody had been the heart provincial leader for four consecutive terms. Are we now saying that this extremely sinister and sordid little Machiavellian plot of his was the first bad thing he's ever done? Or should we go back and comb through his history for similar misconduct? Because I also don't understand what would make someone suddenly crack in that fashion. And you know, John, at the least two things can be true at the same time. Moody may be guilty of misconduct, but the DA might also have a race problem, or at least the problem of failing to hang on to senior black leaders. And the party's continuing refusal to acknowledge that is getting to the point of insanity. I mean, John Steenhagen was clearly angry in the press conference today. His little face is quite red and flushed. And his constant use of the term the race card is actually very offensive as well. I mean, that is not a neutral term. It's a very loaded term. It just seems to me that if the DA is truly serious, and we've said this a thousand times, at least I have, on this segment, if the is Truly, serious about winning back voters, about winning the trust of voters. Surely it has to show some signs of humility, introspection and soul searching.
0: Yeah, I have no idea of the truths and half-truths of this. And the DA, as you said in their media conference earlier today, said that he was facing very serious charges relating to an attempt to frame a political opponent in a sex-for-job scandal, which also involved attempting to bribe two young and vulnerable first-time councillors into giving false evidence. He was involved in offering these councillors promotions on the candidates' list for the 2021 election if they cooperated into making false statements to smear the senior politicians. And they say that the evidence includes tape recordings. of relevant conversations as well as documentary evidence. Well, then produce it. I say, you know, I mean, if, if if you're if you're making this allegation and you've got something which backs it up, then let us have a look at that. D- d- don't that don't given- be this this coy thing. As we've got something that we know about that you don't. If you've got it, show it to us, and then we can assess I, it.
1: I agree. And the answer that was given to that very question at the press conference was, "Oh no, we're, well, we're not going to release that." Because the investigation, because the investigation, the process is not complete, which again begs the question, then why are you treating him as guilty? I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, well, he definitely did this. But by the way, it's still all completely up in the air. It, I mean, it's, it's not... A skilled handling of this, John, by any stretch of the imagination, from the DA, regardless of the facts in the matter.
0: Yeah, and, and again, I have no idea what happens in the DA's inner councils. But this accusation of John Moody's is that the DA is content to be a twenty percent party, is content to pursue the three hundred thousand odd votes it lost from the sort of um, the more conservative part of the white voting base, and to continue to. Um, to be the governing party in the city of Cape Town and in the Western Cape province in many municipalities, that's enough for it. And, and, I mean, again, you know, whether, whether that reflects the thinking of John Stearnazen and Helen Ziller and the other people in the federal executive, I don't know. But it is, it is an accusation which becomes ever more easy to believe every time a senior black leader departs.
1: An accusation I have made again in this segment quite recently I mean it seems there's a lot of evidence pointing to that effect, the fact that there has not been a commission of inquiry asking why the DA lost so many votes in townships in Indian areas, in coloured areas what is that? instead there has been this relentless focus on the Schweitzer-Renika race incident and the mishandling of that I mean what are we supposed to make of that it clearly shows there is a focus that one of the priorities is winning back disgruntled Afrikaans voters and they have not produced anything to show us that they care a similar amount about the hemorrhaging black voters. Is simple something
0: worse? Um, Let me try a, a segue. I'm a bit bored with this conversation now.
1: <laughs> I mean, a, a blunt, crude, crude implement there, John, but I'll take it. So it's kind of accepted that the one thing that this pandemic and the lockdown in particular has... Other than illness and death is a kind of twin pandemic of boredom, which is interesting because I I think it's right, John, that adults don't generally want to admit to being bored very much. I think it's kind of seen as a sort of immaturity or a personal deficiency. You don't have the kind of inner resources to draw on to save yourself from boredom. Or, God forbid, it's an acknowledgement that you're not busy enough, that you're not working hard enough, that you're not looking after your family hard enough, because why are you bored? You're not allowed to be bored. And also, boredom is not sexy or charismatic. I mean, even depression, as debilitating as it is, is kind of a... It can be seen as sort of alluring in pop culture. There's nothing interesting about boredom. You just associate it with teenage boys, basically. But when... When people asked about this anonymously, plenty of people admit to being bored. I was fascinated to read that in the 1969 Gallup poll of Americans, 50% of people describe their lives as boring, which is really quite something. And also quite an indictment on one's life to describe one's whole life as just boring. I mean, I'd be interested to hear if any of readers, your listeners feel the same way. Anyway, philosophers of we have always been interested in the nature of boredom. And the, the lockdown itself, has also sparked a whole range of studies about this. But in recent years as well, there's been a, a library of boredom studies, which is the topic of a recent article in the New Yorker, which I read with great interest. Because one of the things that's interesting, John, is that we don't have a very clear definition of what boredom is, other than that it feels like a kind of niggling discomfort, I suppose. I read something the other day suggesting that boredom is the absence of fear and pain, which is a very positive way of looking at it, but also, I think, has a grain of truth. I like this description, boredom occurs when we are caught in a desire conundrum, wanting to do something but not wanting to do anything, which I think is exactly
0: I like that. Yeah.
1: people can relate to, and also something that also captures the kind of paralysis of lockdown. They've estimated that boredom happens when a task you're engaged with is neither meaningful nor engaging. So, for instance, reading the same story to your child 500 times is more, it can be um, not engaging, but it's still meaningful. And that's what saves it from being truly boring. And a terrible TV series may be engaging without being meaningful. So you can still sort of stay off bored. Without those two things, you're stuck. But if you are bored when you by a task that you're doing, the, the recommendation is to remedy it by either listening to music or doodling, if possible. But the the, the, the more existential kind of boredom that many of us have been feeling during the pandemic a boredom when you are just doing nothing. One of the most healthy things to do is actually being able to acknowledge, it, to face your boredom frankly and kind of own it. That turns out may actually be an indicator of quite robust mental health. So say it with me, John. I'm bored.
0: I'm no, I'm not. I'm fascinated listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, well, I'm quite happy to say it. I'm. I. I yeah, I don't know there are times when when I feel that I should be doing something but I don't want to do anything and, and 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 that the way that was described makes a lot of sense to me and I I'm I don't fret about that. I just go okay, well I'm in one of those not moods, it's not a mood. I I'm, I'm in one of those states at the moment where I think I probably should be looking for something to do because I've probably got quite a lot of important stuff to do. But, hey, I don't feel like it, so I'm just going to stare at the ceiling and I'm comfortable. But it's
1: also that. important that that not be pleasurable because that itself is not boredom. That is then just a very pleasant kind of daydreaming. It's important there be an element of irritation or discomfort for it
0: to count as true boredom. Oh, you're such a hard task, mistress. You really are. <laughs> <I> am. <laughs> Can we talk about <laughs> Kataza? What is Rebecca... What is Rebecca Davis's take on the baboon story, which has been, um, yeah, I mean, they've, a vast part of Cape Town couldn't care less. But the part of Cape Town that cares, cares very deeply.
1: Have your phone lines been blowing up over this yep. issue? Yep. I thought so. I mean, I just feel, John, it's so fascinating the way this has captured, as you said, very certain groups in Cape Town, but also unexpected variations within it. I think the way we respond to animals often says more about us than them. I was so struck by a statement today by one of the chief baboon advocates describing Kataza by saying, this boy has been running, running, running. He's very stressed. I mean, that is very anthropomorphic description. You know, the attributing of human characteristics to animals. This boy, he's not a boy. He's a male baboon, an adult male baboon. I think that the way we react to the story Says a lot about our personal politics. Do you feel like the government is always curtailing your personal freedom, always telling you what you can and can't do, particularly in lockdown? Then I think you're very likely to see Kataza as kind of this <laughs> victim of a system out to get him. But if you feel, on the other hand, perhaps, and this is also valid in South Africa, that you're constantly living under siege from crime and chaos and disorder, then I think you're probably the type of person who says, for God's sake, let's get a grip on these damn baboons. They do nothing more than cause, you know, vandalism and carnage in our peaceful, society. I do find it very interesting, John, and I think people should be aware that when they speak of Kataza, they really perhaps speak of themselves.
0: Somebody just WhatsApped Rebecca to say, oh, feel so happy that I'm mentally healthy, according to Re- Rebecca. I was so bored a couple of weeks ago found everything just dull and boring even though I was very busy and I was telling everyone how weird it was that I felt so bored. What's a posh word for bored?
1: I think bored would be the posh word for bored because some of the words you assume would be posh, like the French variations, are terribly unposh. We must always remember that, John. Now, as I mentioned to you, because you and I always strive to be very, very posh in a word <laughs> and deed, it is important to note that Tatler, the British etiquette Bible, has just brought out its new rules of poshness for the post-COVID world. And there's some important changes going on, John, that I need to keep you abreast of. Some things have never changed. It is still terribly unposh to refer to the toilet rather than the loo. You must bike places. You must never cycle. And you can never ask someone to take off their shoes before they enter your home. Those things are all utterly dig, as they say. In the post-COVID world, what is a terrible breach of poshness is homemade masks in floral fabric. Terribly, terribly embarrassing. Also carrying cash simply cannot be done and for some reason using the phrase the new normal that is absolutely beyond the pale john strike it from your lexicon immediately please tell
0: me that using the word pivoting is also beyond the pale i want that to be beyond the pale
1: (laughs) i adore a good pivot what is in john is air kissing from quite a great distance Fairly sensible, given health regulations, bowing instead of shaking hands. So not doing that weird elbow jerk thing, just a a courtly bow, perhaps a curtsy as well. People are expecting a resurgence of the fan in restaurants to be used as a kind of face mask and flirting device. Although, as others have pointed out, fans are diametrically opposed to face masks in that they actually spread germs and liquids (laughs) rather than protecting one. Opera gloves may be worn at all times for sensible reasons. It is now essential, as we have seen, to have live-in staff. I mean, staff who commute in simply cannot be counted on because the world could go to hell any second. And finally, Don, it is very posh, the very height of poshness, to know somebody who's working on the COVID vaccine. So if you do not, I advise you to cultivate such a friend. (laughs) Tootsweet.
0: Thank you very much, Rebecca. I shall scroll through my Rolodex, which is probably InfraDig as well, to find somebody working in the vaccine programme.